Games we grew up with, a podcast where my sister and I talk about video games we played in our past and the memories we have of them. Each episode, we'll talk about one of the games that left an impression on us, put some rose-tinted glasses on and reminisce about it, then we'll replay the game and see how it's held up over the years. This episode, we'll be rolling back the clock and talking about Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars for Super Nintendo. I'm Chris. And I'm Katie. We got producer Kyle, producer Lisa and the Wings. So let's talk games. Let's do it. So since we are finally covering our first RPG of the podcast, and it is really one of our favorites, uh, this is going to be a slightly longer episode for everyone. So it's going to be a little bit longer than our standard episode, but it's going to be full of wonderful, great content and some Mario too. What episode are we on? Like I'm almost sort of losing track and we're not even that far in. We are on episode five. Look at us. Woo! We don't really have a segment to talk about what's exciting in gaming right now or anything since we are a retro podcast, but I just want to throw out there, news and rumors just came out that the Jack and Daxter series may be coming to the PS5. Oh, snap! I'm so excited if that's the case. We said it in the- That's like retro news, yeah. Yeah, we said it in the podcast. Like I said, I would love for it to come back to the system. The last game wasn't that great. So if this could come back to the PS5, a new game, a remaster, because there's rumors that there's like really like good images or something, I'd be so excited. So just throwing that in there, I'm so excited if there's actually a Jack and Daxter announced at one of the Sony events coming up for the PS5. Oh, I'd be so excited. Just drag all of those people out of retirement. The original Naughty Dog folks. Bring them, Get them back. back. Get them back. I'd be so happy. That'd be good. So moving on from there... What is the next segment we always do? Well, it always is the video game trope of the day. Trope of the day! Pew, pew, pew! <laughs> so, what is our trope of the episode? So, this episode, we are doing rule of three. So, what that is, of course, we've talked about it on the podcast already. Bemoaned it a lot. And bemoaned it a lot. It's that... Typically for a boss that you have to repeat three central actions, whether it's hitting them or doing a certain thing in order to beat them. You need to do something three times in a row. We've already seen this actually in our Jack and Daxter playthrough. The uh, first kind of boss you fight, the big plant monster, you hit him three times and he dies. Like that is the rule of three. Unlike Earthworm Jim and Vector Man, which did not follow the rule of three at all. It's very frustrating at times. And just for the record, this is a thing that it transcends gaming. It's not just gaming. It's a literary device. It's a speech pattern. Like whenever you see anyone list anything when they're using examples, it's three examples because that's just the natural way to list examples. And it's just come about just from society being what it is like i, I don't know western a good way to explain that yeah. western society thank you yeah so the other thing is of course the other i think quintessential retro game that always followed the rule of three was sonic of course sonic was very much a proponent of the rule of three 
Zelda. Nintendo in general, absolutely. And yeah. uh, that Nintendo in general is exactly why we're leading into it fits into our episode today because while it wasn't perfect everywhere, Super Mario RPG absolutely had moments of Rule of Three, which was so nice to see. So that's why Rule of Three was our trope of the day. Trope of the day! So before we get into the meat of this episode's game, uh, we want to talk about our community's reaction first to what they remember of the game. So Chris, what's some reactions we've gotten from some of our uh, community members? Yeah, threw it out there on Facebook because figured Super Mario RPG has a lot of reactions, hoping that it's kind of like what we do. So we got uh, a whole bunch we got from our good friend Courtney, who we played this at the beach with, right? Yes. And she kind of mirrored what we said. Her comment was, Mallow finding out, spoiler, he's not a frog. Just just the absolute shock that Mallow, who we'll discuss later, isn't a frog. We had another one from Thomas. He said, me thinking, what the heck is this? I've never heard of this game before. And that's after he got a, an emulator. So he was kind of like us, where he just kind of found it, right? So that's kind of neat. Yeah, that, that definitely reflects the later playthrough. You know, the playthrough more as an adult as opposed to as a kid and playing it on the original system. Yeah. Um, though we did play it on the original system, but much later than when it came out. We have Jason, who said he remembers going to buy it from the game store. So that's kind of neat. So that was before really what we were doing. He said, I don't know how I heard about it, but I knew I wanted it and never regretted the purchase. Which is, you know, almost the before, you know, and outside of, you know, expert opinions and everything, I think that is the best judge of how good a game is, is if you buy it, especially as a kid, because you invest a lot of money into it, but you yeah. never regret buying it. One of my friends that I've known for a long time posted that he just finished another playthrough a month ago. So he's kind of in our boat. We got another comment from Paul. He said, I remember riding minecarts in Moletown and wondering why they built so many 180 degree tracks. I mean, that's just, you know, engineering. You would know that, Chris. I know that that's a terrible decision. You're just sounding like all of my other friends that say, you're an engineer, can't you figure this out? Does it fly? If it doesn't fly, then that's not my engineering. Yes, but you also took some basic classes that are all kind of the same, maybe? You'd think so. Calculus. In theory. Y'all took this calculus. Is, what, what year is it? <laughs> Those classes were easily 15 years ago. Don't care. Here's a good one. I liked those RPGs. I don't think I remember them individually, though. That's interesting because I think at least my memories are very, everything is very distinct between the different RPGs, but yeah. I think that's also your preference. If you didn't like love, love RPGs, uh, they might, the idea of them um, sticks, but not the individual characteristics. So, okay. Well, I think that's great. I mean, I think this is a great response and we're going to keep reaching out to everyone. So follow our Instagram, our Facebook, and our Twitters. We're going to be definitely asking for future games, what people think and what their memories are. So we look forward to hearing from you all soon. So tell us a little bit about Super Mario RPG, Katie. 
So Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars was released in 1996. As we said, it's an RPG. It was made by Square. They were just Square at the time that later evolved into Square Soft and is now today Square Enix for the SNES. It was, of course, super, super, super well received at the time. Overall, the aggregated score on game rankings for it is 89%, which is a little low in my opinion. IGN had it as a 9.5. Nintendo Life had it a 10 out of 10. And Electronics Gaming Monthly had it an 8.75 out of 10. So overall, just people really loved this game. I think it's really interesting that there are no direct sequels to this game. You see characters in this game that you never appear again. However, the Paper Mario series was actually originally announced and called Super Mario RPG 2. No kidding. It was, yeah. So it was actually going to be a sequel and not long, like a little bit before they decided to announce like all the official stuff, they changed the name to Paper Mario, but Nintendo very much considers it still a spiritual sequel, even if it's not a direct sequel. And you can actually see the remnants of that. They've basically clung to some of the established parts of this game into any further kind of Mario game that's not the classic platformer. Instead of mana or MP, they're FP, they're flower points in most games. The other thing is, when you have party members, you share those flower points like you do in Super Mario RPG and most Nintendo games. That's not common in RPGs. Normally, everyone has their individual pool. Nintendo doesn't, and that's almost all based on Mario RPG. So any kind of future game that's come out, any of the Paper Mario series, even, you know, uh, Super Mario 64, like they all had an influence from this game. It all originated in this game. And then I think the last thing to talk about, we, we like, we are music people as well as video game people. So, oh God, I'm going to get this wrong. Yoko Shimomura uh, did the soundtrack for this game, which we will talk about. And we loved the soundtrack. But the really fascinating thing is the other games she's worked on, like Street Fighter 2 and Kingdom Hearts. Like these are really well-known games for their soundtracks even. So this was someone who was high profile, but this is one of her earlier uh, forays into video gaming music. And it stands out. Kingdom Hearts, I can see. Street Fighter 2 is a little bit surprising, yeah. but now that I'm thinking about it, it's like, yeah, Street Fighter 2 had some pretty dope music. Yeah. If you couldn't tell already, we'll go in a little further. Chris, why did we pick this game to play? So this game is interesting because we didn't actually own it, but we had a lot of tangential interactions with this game, and we loved the game, and then enough where we came back later and got it in emulators, any way that we could get it. We got it as soon as we could. Yeah, and I think we'll probably talk about it a little bit later in the next segment, but it was one of our first forays into RPGs. And so when I was a bit older, I really wanted to play it again because of the fact that I knew it was an RPG and I just, I love RPGs. And so I really wanted to get back into it again. And the mashup of Mario and, you know, the RPG was just too intriguing not to try again. So I think that's why we played it the first time, like fully, but now also why we're super excited to play it again now as adults and try it out all over again. Absolutely. Which means it's time to play that wonderful Chi Ocarina of Time. Let's go back, see what we remember to the game. Let's go. I'm gonna keep doing that noise now. All right. Let's do our look back and take a look at this episode's game, Mario RPG, Super Mario RPG. So Chris, what are your first memories? What are your first thoughts when we talk about this game? I think my first memory 
really that sticks out is is playing up at the neighbor's house because we did not have a Super Nintendo. No, we did not. So I, the only time that I played this game for a very long time was 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 up at the neighbor's house, watching him play, watching his his little brother play, and every once in a while I would I would get to play because I think this is maybe the the second RPG that I ever played because I think I might have actually somehow played Final Fantasy VII before this. See, I was trying to remember that because I want to say this was the... See, my thoughts were that this was our first exposure to Square Enix, which was just Square back then. But I I don't remember. Yeah, it kind of all is around the same. I I think we played it before because I know I didn't play it with that same neighbor. I played it with other friends. But Mm -hmm. I think we played it before just because I don't think by the time the PlayStation came out, it was popular enough to keep playing. Well, I mean, if you look... If you look at the years, I want to say, and I looked this, I think I looked this up, they only came out like a year apart. Did they really? It was, yeah. it came out a year, oh wow, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, FF7 came out like a year after Super Mario RPG, I oh. want to say. Well, shnikes, I'm wrong. Yeah, because I was thinking, I was like, did how, how could I have played this one after FF7? But if but, it came uh, out after, because yeah. we played FF7, I mean, we didn't get a PlayStation right away, um... You know, it was older by the time we got it, but we definitely FS7 was definitely one of the earlier games we played on it, so that would make sense. Yeah. So, so what do you remember about this game? It was definitely the first time we saw Mario in a different capacity than I think the classic Mario games. This was really the time he wasn't like a platformer, and I just really enjoyed how it was an RPG that was light and fluffy and just kind of a fun game to play. It wasn't, didn't take itself too seriously. And you got to have Bowser on your team, which I mean, you got to have Bowser on your team. That was the first time that kind of happened, right? Like this was, it was the first time. Yeah. That he crossed party lines and that he was, he was very upset by it, which I also thought was hilarious is how like he was so mad that he wasn't the big bad anymore. And like the whole time he's basically arguing with Mario that he is still a big bad, even though he's helping save the world. It was great. This is a game, I guess, I'm a little cheaty. I think we're both a bit cheaty on it that we have played it again since we were kids. We've absolutely gone back and revisited this game as adults. And I still don't remember everything, so. I remember, I think I remember most of it. So yeah. I'm not, I don't want to go into it too much because I'm sure we'll discuss we'll it discuss later. It. Yeah. Yeah. I really love turn-based combat. I know it's not in vogue anymore. And you have RPGs that, you know, don't you, they it's just not really something you see in RPGs anymore. But I loved turn-based combat. I'm I'm with you. I I love turn-based. I love like that's why I like like grid-based type RPGs and strategy games. And that game fits, you know, perfectly into that, you know, category and it is one of those ideals of the time and it was just such a great mix of this classic Nintendo world plus those RPG elements and the the Japanese RPGs in particular, um the weapons that you need to get and you buy new weapons that are better and better and better and the characters were so clever, like even the new ones, because I mean, they had the, the, you know, Mario and Peach and not Luigi uh, and Bowser. And Bowser, yeah. Uh, but then they also had the new characters of Mallow, who was a frog, and then Gino the doll. Yeah. And there was, was there another one? Am I making that up? Might I think that was, that was it. I think that I was think it. I think it's yeah. just five. Yeah. And it, they all fell into those those archetypes, right? Oh, like of course. The Mario was your everyman, then you had a healer, DPS. Peach was the healer, of course. Yeah. Gino was the DPS, yeah. Mallow was the mage, and then Bowser, Bowser was your tank. Yeah, Bowser was the tank. Yeah, it's classic in that sense. Though, 
I do. I loved loved Peach's uh, weapons of choice being like frying pans and stuff. Like, yeah. so good. So now I almost want to backtrack on my earlier thought that we played Final Fantasy VII first because I feel like I went to play Final Fantasy VII and kept finding myself trying to do the timed attacks. I think so too because I that is something in almost every RPG I still try when I first play them. Like, is there a timed attack to this? Just yeah. like it heavily influences the way I look at those games that I'm just like, if I hit the button a second time, will something special happen? Mm-hmm. I remember a bunch of the music. Like, I remember the opening mm-hmm. music. Uh, I remember the battle and victory music, like any like any good Square game. You remember right. the battle and the victory music. Yep. It was a very colorful game. A lot of different worlds you visited, but it still had like the classic over map, which was a very Mario-esque, which is I kind of really appreciated that they had yeah. that like element of Mario that you pulled back and it was the map that you moved from world to world. You didn't right. travel directly Right, there were very distinct areas, yeah. Yeah, and that was very Mario. And I think that's why it was it, it did so well in melding both aspects of the RPG and the classic RPGs with Mario. It still felt like a Mario game. It wasn't just a Mario game. Uh, it wasn't just an RPG that had Mario painted onto it. It felt right. like a Mario game. And as soon as you said, brought up that map, I instantly got the map music in my head too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was so it was just so good. Like I, this is definitely a f- really fun game. I don't remember finishing it by myself as a kid. I know I played it like you said. I think because we never owned it, I never really fully finished the game as a kid. I know I've since gone back with at least friends and stuff and finished it. Uh huh. But yeah, it just it was just a fun game. It's a game I really wish that you could play like two player and, and control one of the other characters or something. Right, and it's you know there's lots of games that you think would be able to do that. Absolutely, but it's still your classic RPG. I agree. I I loved the heck out of it. Like the colors were good, the characters were good, the dialogue was funny. Mario never talked, right? No. I think he did. He always pantomimed everything. Yes, he he acted things out, and I want to say he was called out at various times, like like not like meanly, but it was kind of like they expected him to not talk at a certain point. He just pantomimed everything. Right. Um, Peach was like kind of saucy, which I loved because she was like not having any of the BS of like being like, a princess. Yeah. Well, not just being a princess, but like when Browser captured her, she's like, I can't deal with this anymore. Or she gets <laughs> she gets captured later in the game by some random dude. And I'm blanking on his name with the beard, the crazy beard. Booster. Booster. Thank you. And like she's just like not having it, which is great. And she ran away from home. They're like, no, you can't go help Mario. And she's like, meet me at the side. And she just like jumps out the window, and yeah. jumps out the window. And you're like, I love I loved the agency they gave her in that sense that she's like, nope, I'm coming. But it's little things like that. that were always really clever. Again, we're kind of cheating because we played this semi recently. We did. We I did. mean, it's been a couple a couple years, so I definitely didn't finish it. I think the big thing is, I think the other reasons our memories are maybe more recent than others is because we didn't actually have the system. We didn't have the game ourselves. So I think the oldest I was when I was actually, or the youngest I was when I actually played through a good chunk of it was probably high school. Um, I think at New Year's, we played it one year, if you remember, with our two friends we brought to New Year's with our family. And, oh, that's right. Yeah. And we played it as basically a, four, a group of four. We rotated through and played through. Mm. I'm pretty sure the whole game, that the whole campaign that weekend. And that was that was like the first time I think I played from start to finish of that game and not just chunks here or there at friend's house. Right. And that was high school. So still a kid. It still counts. Yeah. But it definitely was obviously at that point, it was already considered a retro game. Right. 
and we had memories of it. We had played bits and pieces, but that was, a, that's my first remember. Like, I think that was really the first time I sat through and played so much of the game in a row and really played the whole game. And it, it was a ton of fun. And I associate a lot of my memories of the game with that time of the four of us being like jammed away in a back room of the house. Cause we, we would do these big at new year's. We would go with a bunch of family friends to celebrate at a house at the beach, cold beaches, not warm beaches. And they would put the children away in a room, which ended up being like Chris and I, and we got to bring two friends Yeah, <laughs> and they just put us in a room at the back of the house. And we just literally played video a, games. The we entire, made a video game. Cave. Entire, we yeah. brought our own TVs uh, we brought like multiple systems. And so we'd have like three TVs set up in there with three different, three or four different systems and just play the whole time we were there. It was amazing. I mean, there was, I think that was really when we really were getting into video games, like in depth beyond just kind of casually playing yeah. for fun. Like was, that was the time when we were just playing hours and hours and hours of games. And that was everything that was based around those friendships at the time, not everything on the friendships, but that was a huge chunk of those friendships was playing those games together and everything. And the four of us bonded for a very long time because of that. We have those memories, those really long-term memories, I think, that surround those times and those moments at the house playing the games. And Mario, the, the Super Mario RPG was definitely like one of the big games of that, if I remember correctly. I, I think you're correct. And it's, yeah, we never really had it. I think I, I played through it just myself, probably in college, mm-hmm. either on, a, on an emulator or a roommate or something like that. And then, yeah, I got the SNES Mini whenever when you got it for me for my birthday whenever that christmas. was or christmas that's right and and played through it i think i brought it down to florida for like a work thing yeah and that's all i played like i went to work and then went back to the hotel room and, and played super mario rpg but that's probably like four or five years ago at this point sounds about right and that was that was an old school getting a system i waited outside a GameStop for that system at four o'clock in the morning <laughs> because that's that was when they it. were super exclusive and i was dumb and had forgotten to pre-order yeah I think the last the last time I sat outside for a, a midnight release was StarCraft Two. Yeah, I believe that. Which is funny because you didn't have to because no, you could have just downloaded pre-ordered. it. Oh well, that too. I would say yeah, some of those strongest memories. As much as I do remember playing it at friends' house, as you said, more watching people play it. Yeah, it was just it was a good game to play as a group. Even even though it was a single player game, it was really easy to just follow along and easily switch back and forth with the controller, and you never felt like you were missing out on anything. I want to say there wasn't a lot of grinding that you needed to do like there no. was, but like, I think it was, it was straightforward enough. And if like, if you went through and didn't avoid fighting, yeah. you did a pretty good job of leveling up. And I think, I think it was because that's the audience it was targeted at, targeted at, at the time it was because they didn't want you to get frustrated with the game. I would say most of the grinding I did wasn't traditional grinding it was because i forgot something or i lost i got lost and so i got stuck in the same area so i got stuck there for a while and had to keep fighting as opposed to consciously trying to grind i seem to remember the sewers getting stuck and lost yeah, in that's the sewers exactly a lot. what i'm thinking of is the yeah. sewers and getting stuck and lost down there and, and the frustration of trying to find that find ways out of that area but yeah, no, I think I think you're right. It just was a it was natural to play through it. And you didn't get tired of playing it. It was just it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of comedy elements to it, uh, as we mentioned. Like Booster was a hilarious character. It was just yeah, I really enjoyed playing it. I it, I played it both as a very uh, younger kid to a teenager to I have also played it as an adult since NES Mini came out. SNES Mini. Yes, that one. I'm going through all of them. Jeez, <laughs> the SNES Mini came out. Definitely have played a bit, but I haven't beaten it or anything like that. So I think the debate now is, do I restart that old file I have on there that's like 
five hours into the game or do I start from the beginning? I don't know. I am going to restart, I think, because I feel like my file is fairly... I want to say I'm in, like, Monstro Town or something like that, which is probably, like, two-thirds of the way through the game. So I will probably start over with my playthrough. Oh, God, I forgot about the music minigame. Is that the one where you're standing on the tadpoles? On the tadpoles, yeah. and they're moving, and you have to try to jump and land on them. Yeah, you got to make the right song. Oh, so you God. have to, like, they're, like, moving, and, oh, yeah. I had, uh, yeah. I had forgotten about that. Yeah, that was not a fun one. I struggled on that because I just could not hit them at the right point. Yeah. And then the worst part is once you messed up one, you had you, that was it. Like you couldn't fix it, so you had, you to, had to like go through the whole thing. Uh -huh. Like you had to finish the song, listen to the song, have him have criticize him say, you for the yeah. song. <laughs> oh, I can't can't wait to go back to that part. That's another reason for me not to go back. Yes, fair. <laughs> It's a great game. Again, I think it was one of those early introductions to RPGs, if not the first. The first one, yeah. And which, you know, is definitely one of my favorite genres of games at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, and definitely the ones I go out of my way to try to play. So, yeah, I mean, I, I look forward to playing it again. Now we got to do our wrap up. Yes, the scores. Uh, what would you say your rose-tinted score was? What score did you give the game when you were first playing it? Even, let's say, let's be realistic and say, when we played it in that high school element, when yeah. we got to finally actually play it, what score would you have given it at that point? I mean, I think I'm going to go with a nine, if not like a nine and a half, because it's good enough where it was one of those first games when I got an emulator or the SNES Mini that I went back to go play and wanted to play mm -hmm. immediately. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm going to say nine and a half rose tinted. Okay. What about you? I definitely, it's definitely up there. I would say probably an eight and a half for me just because it was such an early round of me learning how to do RPGs by myself and everything. There were definitely moments where I could not get stuff done like the stupid music mini, mini game and that I got frustrated and gave up a lot more easily back then. I loved the music and the sounds and everything like that, but I think a solid eight and a half for what I would have, uh, my rose tinted score. So then what do you give it for your, what do you predict you're going to give it now? Again, this is a bit, we'll, we'll give ourselves a little bit. This one won't fully count on the scores in the sense yeah. that we've both played it relatively recently in the grand scheme of things. But still, what is your predictive score on this next playthrough, Chris? So I think even if we played it recently, going back and looking at it with a more critical eye and the fact that I think in this segment, I've been using this to kind of compare it to video games now like given the context of current video games, is it still a good video game? Mm -hmm. Even like, you know, taking out, well, it was good for the time, like not good for the time. Is it a good video game? I'm probably gonna go uh, eight, eight and a half. Okay. Take your pick, whichever one sounds better. But I'm, I'm gonna drop it a little bit, not a lot, but I think it's not gonna hold up nearly as well. And I think compared to newer games, it's not gonna be as good. But what, what, do, you, what do you think? I, I agree with you. I think it's gonna drop a little bit. Um, I'll be the, the jerk move now and give an 8.25. <laughs> no, um, I, I, I'll drop it down to an 8. Um, I think, yeah, I think when you, in the long run, start comparing it to modern games, I think it's a very simple game. The mechanics are very simple, which is great, but there's something to be said when you start actually expanding out mechanics and making things a little bit more complicated. And while platformers at the end of the day will always be platformers, um, and there's only so much you can do in those those elements. I think with RPGs, they've just gone so much further than that. Even if you're still turn-based, there's just so much more people have been able to do with that um, since this time. I think the one 
unique mechanic it had all the time was that double attack or that defense, which I don't right. know a lot of other games that had it. But overall, I think I think it just won't 100% live up to where it used to be as well as in comparison to a lot of the other games uh, that are out that it, it just doesn't quite hit that same mark. So I, I ended at an eight. So we got a nine and a half for my rose tinted score and then an We'll go eight for my my predicted score, and you have an eight and a half for your rose score, and an eight for your predicted score. So I guess we will go play the game. It might take us a little bit longer than some of the other ones we've played, but we'll go play the game and see how it stacks up. Sounds good. Let's go back to the future. Back to the present? Back to the future. So now that we are back in the present, have we hit reality, Chris? What do we think of the game? But first of all, let's go over what the game is more in depth. So tell me about what Super Mario RPG actually is. So that's the fun part. This game starts right with a uh, stereotypical go save the princess plot. And it's, it's super, super simple. You're Mario. Princess gets kidnapped. Princess Toadstool. Princess Toadstool gets kidnapped. You run off to Bowser's castle, and it kind of slowly introduces the the whole turn-based combat thing. I mean, as slowly as you can, right? So you go in, rescue the princess, and then all this crazy stuff starts happening, and it introduces the main part of the game, the main framing device of the game, where there's a new villain, and you're just kind of thrown back almost practically to the beginning. I thought it was really cool that you got through the first part, like the the stereotypical Mario, go fight Bowser, save Peach, and then weird stuff happens, and then they played the intro screen. Mm -hmm. So the intro screen was probably a good 20 minutes into the game? Yeah, and and I think this is definitely a game that... Besides just Mario being the the main character and so many of the characters from a franchise that is definitely aimed at kids, they definitely anticipated a younger audience. There were a lot of moments where Toad will just appear and literally pause the game and explain how to do certain things. Like, what's a time-based attack? What's a turn-based, you know, battle and how to do mini games and stuff. He just literally would appear and be like, hey, do you need instructions on this? So again, it's, it's definitely an RPG that was targeting young kids to be able to play and understand this game. And I mean, obviously, this was the first foray into RPGs for Mario, so they kind of had to figure out how to do that. They, you know, you're there, you're jumping around. Somebody said in the rose-tinted segment that there was no platforming, but that later turned out to be proved incredibly wrong. Incredibly incorrect. But I think that is really clever of Nintendo that they still wanted those platforming elements so that you are, it's still Mario at the end of the day. You're still familiar with Mario. You could jump. I mean, how many RPGs can you not jump? Let's be real. That you're just not allowed to jump in RPGs. This game, Mario not jumping is impossible. He was known as Jumpman originally. Like he had to jump and you can. And so there's a lot of platforming elements and I was completely wrong about there being none. And I regretted saying that because it was proven over and over and over again that there was a ton of platforming and I was terrible at it. <laughs> well, and that was the thing too with the jumping. Like, there were multiple times in the game where, like, to prove that you were Mario, it just sat there and you couldn't do anything until you hit the jump button. And then you jumped, and someone said, Oh, you are Mario. Because Mario is a silent protagonist. He never yes. speaks throughout the game. 
I have a quote that I wrote down. What's with the silent treatment, Mario? The self-referential again. Love it. Yes. So after you figure out, you start back at the beginning, you figure out it's not just go save the princess from the castle. You do at one point need to save her, but different castle than you expect, and you pick up people along the way. That's where you meet Mallow and Gino, the interesting new characters. Plus, you get Bowser in your party, which is never a bad thing to have Bowser on your side. And I'm sorry, you join Bowser's Koopa Troopa. They made that very clear. Made it very clear. He's not joining you. You are joining him. It's a game you go through and you have to collect the seven stars. Shocking to hear after the title. Yep. And kind of save the world, of course. So overall, now that we, you know, we kind of allude to it. You can obviously see, hear how excited we are about this game. But overall, Chris, how did it feel playing this game again? So good. It was exactly what I remembered. It's like riding a bike. It's like putting on an old jacket. It's It was so much fun to go back and play it. I was just immediately clicked into everything that was happening, remembering all the old stuff. It was amazing. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I felt very much the same way. I, I realized, you know, and I think I thought this before, but kind of playing this game with the perspective of trying to analyze it more and how does it compare to how I, how I played it before, I don't think I realized how much it influenced the way I play other games in the sense that, that like, I really do try to time hits in other games that there's no timed hits. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's just, it's so inherent in that game of like hit this button and it's a timed hit. And it's the, the sound effects are so satisfying when you do it right. And you know, you get it right. And it's, it's just such a, the, the humor is really fun. You have some really funny moments. Yeah, like Mario not speaking. The Mar the fact Mario can transform into pretty much anyone he sees, which is he just like amazing. He pantomimes everything. He yeah. pantomimes everything. Like, it's just... It, including floating. Including floating in the air yes. for, like, various seconds. He's just... It's such a wholesome, genuinely fun game. And, yeah, there were some moments of, like, grinding, of course, because it's an RPG. And there's definitely times it wasn't a perfect game, of course. But it just genuinely was a ton of fun to play again. And the music was amazing. And the colors were, so were good. bright. And, and it was just, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. It was definitely more square music. Had the victory theme, had the all, all the themes. Speaking of, one of the elements of the game that was very classic RPG is that final boss who is not the final boss, but is like harder than the final boss. So like the special secret boss. And of course, this game had it with Culex. Yes. And the reason I bring it up with the music is he was blatantly a homage to Final Fantasy that Square threw in there. His sprite looked like a Final Fantasy character, both mm -hmm. his small 2D one as well as the one in the battle scene. But his music was also the Final Fantasy like victory music and the Final Fantasy yeah. like battle music. And it was just so funny that they added that in because like the clear influence obviously Square had. And that was that was a lot of fun. That battle was a lot of fun, too. Well, I loved how, yeah, as you were saying, they went from the tiny like 8-bit sprite to the overly art version yes. in the final battle when that, that hadn't happened anywhere else in the game. No, like, that was, was definitely a throwback. Definitely a Final Fantasy throwback, and I loved it. And yeah, just I just had a ton of fun playing this game. It wasn't a chore to play as many hours as we played this game, uh, which is my segue to say, how long did you play this game on this playthrough, Chris? Oh, my playthrough, I think I clocked in... With some breaks in the middle, I will say that. I was at about 22 hours and call it 20 minutes. Sounds all right. Uh, which we... is not as much as I have, but <laughs> what about you? We clocked in at about 18 hours and 25 minutes-ish. But caveat to this, 
You went to level 30, which is the level cap. We stopped at like yep. level 25. So there's a clearly we didn't fully explore as much as you did when playing through. But it, you know, it was it wasn't a chore. It never felt like, oh, I have to play Mario. Like I just it was just so much fun to play. Honestly, I don't think like I grinded for maybe out of those 22 hours or whatever, maybe an hour and a half was grinding levels. Like it wasn't hard. So let's let's go back. Uh, you said something about time to tax. I think this is important to talk about. Yeah. Describe time to tax because this is literally the first time that we've seen this in a game. And then literally that's a staple of any Mario RPG going mm -hmm. forward. After you hit the attack button, if you hit the same button again one more time at a certain point during the attack, you would get a bonus basically to your attack or to your defense. If you hit it at the right time when you were being hit, you had a bonus defense, like you got a reduced uh, damage to you. Um, Which they didn't talk about a lot in the game. vaguely mentioned it, but they didn't really go into depth very much about it. But it was always like, it was always for at least the attack, but for both sides, actually, there was a visual confirmation you did it. So my yeah. favorite weapon that Peach had, and Toadstool, I'm sorry, Toadstool had, they never call her Peach throughout <laughs> the game, um, is she, her final weapon, her very best weapon is a frying pan, which is just amazing anyway. And she... If, she, if you get the timed attack, you don't just hit them once with the frying pan. You hit them twice. He goes, one, bonk, bonk. And same with Mario. You hear this, like, confirmation noise of, like, he kicks the shell twice or hits people twice with his fist, depending on which weapon he has. And that it was just so satisfying. And when you're defending, they would put their hands over their head and kind of scrunch down when you got the defense right. Like, it, there were visual and uh, audible confirmations that you did the timing right, which was always nice. And I think Bowser had that too, because like with the chomp and the spike chain. Yeah. So like he was literally like the old school chomp from from Mario. You rescue it at some point and he swings it above his head and you throw it. And if you get the timing right, gets, it like chews and goes, <laughs> my, 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 my. yeah. And then, so it was it was very, very cathartic where you would hit that that timed attack <laughs> and, and you would hear the sound and you'd see the extra an animation and that has stayed, I mean, that stayed in the, the Mario RPG world. Yeah. Like, anymore in the games now, if you can't do that, you can't win the game. Like, between the special attack timing and the the defensive timing especially, which was not a big deal in this game, like, it, it helped, especially with some of the bosses that, we, that we'll talk about later, but... In the new games, I feel like if you can't get the defensive timing down, you just can't win the game. So Origami King is the easy one to do because it just came out. But if you definitely look at a lot of the DS games, like uh, Bowser, Mario, Inside Story, or Luigi, Mario, it's Inside Mario Story. It's Mario and Luigi, Inside Story. Whatever it is. Good Producer Lord. Lisa played these games a lot more than I did. It definitely has permeated through... It is part of the Mario mythos now, essentially, yeah. that this exists. Well, especially the Mario, more more the Mario Luigi than I would say the Paper Mario stuff. Because I, aside, I feel like Paper Mario stopped being an RPG a couple games ago. Fair enough. And that's kind of that's kind of at least held through with the the, the Mario and Luigi games. Yeah. But yeah, especially Inside Story, uh, Tales of Time. Yeah. What was that one? Partners in Time. Partners in Time. Thank you, producer Lisa. Yeah, and uh, you know, and that kind of reminds me of the timed attacks and just the the satisfaction of seeing the animations and everything reminds me of 
Uh, something that is really different about this particular RPG than I think most others is weapons for each character. Now, every character had certain weapons they had to use. You couldn't change weapons between characters, but they were actually different. Like, it wasn't just yes. like you only had hammers for Mario because the first weapon you get is a hammer. No, then you get a shell, and then sometimes you have gloves so you can punch someone. Like, they actually changed not only the look of the weapon, but sometimes the style of the weapon and the type of weapon it was. And that was a really clever thing to do back then because I, I, they don't do it really now still. Like, it would change the attack because, like, it's, yeah. you know, Mario would go from punching someone to hitting them with a hammer to kicking them with a shell or... You know, Peach would have, like I said, the frying pan or an umbrella. She had a parasol. She had a parasol that she would open up on them. You know, Mallow had a, a bunch of different ones. Mallow like, had really random ones. Mallow like had his, symbols. Yeah, his and symbols. He had two symbols. He had the regular symbols and then the, I think, the sonic symbols, which were a, like, kind of the ultimate weapon that made the screen go all fuzzy and stuff like that. So it's just... Oh, we went in the wrong segments at the end and we didn't get it. We I, I didn't get the... Sonic symbols either, but I wasn't playing with Mallow. We so. weren't either, to be fair. But on principle, yeah. I, was, I didn't even get Gino's final weapon, which I was so annoyed about. Well, his final weapon is obnoxious because the timing doesn't work out. So that's the interesting thing. The timing of these weapons with these timed attacks, like they told you, like, just do it right before you hit. Yeah. But because these weapons were so varied, the timing for the animations was different for all of them. Yeah. And I'm half convinced that some of the weapons had a different threshold that would make them easier or harder to use. Because, like, going back with Gino, he had the arm cannon, and it might have just been because the animation was really good. You could nail that timing all the time, but his ultimate weapon, those star guns, were really, really hard to get the timing exactly right. And that damage that you could do when you hit the special timing was not insignificant. Between no. hitting it perfectly and barely hitting it. Yeah, no, it was it was not. And that could get frustrating at times, but you had to learn the weapon. You essentially had to learn the timing of the weapon. And the same yeah. is like, that applied to the special attacks too. It was, there was um, one challenge where one of the best, I think, accessories you can get is by doing Mario's super jump either 30 times and then there's a second one for 100 times in a row. And Ugh. the timing on that, I think I got most at like three. Producer yeah. Kyle managed to get like 27, which is super impressive. And it's crazy. Like it's, it's something like he looked into it and it was like after the 14th jump, the timing is two frames. It's two frames. Two frames, which is uh, someone could do that math because it's at, actually it might not be at 60 frames per second. It's probably 30 frames per probably second. Probably 30 frames per second. So you got, you know, whatever that math works out to be. Uh, to... A 15th of a second. Thank you. And you have to do that a hundred times. times. And it's stuff like that that it was just like, oh. But yeah. I mean, it's a really, again, it's really interesting. And it, it gives challenges to the game that you can keep playing it to try to beat those elements. Like the, the optional boss, those kind of things. Yeah. It didn't just apply to the physical weapons. It applied to the specials like Super Jump or like healing. Like you could revive someone, their full health instead of half health. Or when you brought them back from the dead, you could give them extra health. Or Mallow's magic relied on it. Like it was just timing was with everything you did pretty much except for items, I think. And they didn't really, they sort of told you about it in some of them. In the, if you went to the description in the menus... But yeah, like, I had no idea about it until this playthrough when Kyle's like, oh, look, they tell you how yeah. to do it. And I was like, what? Really? That's been there the whole time. 
So uh, I think we should go over a little bit about the framing. We briefly talked about the overall plot. We talked about the time to tax a little bit. What else is going on in this game? Just in case you've never played Mario RPG before or just watched someone play it. We talked briefly. You start with a classic save Peach from Bowser, but then you get kicked out of his castle by a giant sword and you find out that a giant sword is taking over and you go and you meet a character named Mallow who tells you he's a frog. Uh, He is a white, fluffy, fluffy frog who, when he gets upset, it starts raining. That is not connected to his pants, apparently. Yeah, that can pop out of his pants, apparently. And you meet him and he's like, oh, you should talk to my grandfather, Frog Fuchsius, who, you know, is a frog. And he'll tell you what's going on in the world. And you go and you find out that the giant sword is attached to a guy named Smithy, who is trying to take over the world. And after Frog Fuchsius tells you that, A, you might need to go save it, and B, Mallow, P.S. Buddy, you ain't a frog. And everyone's shocked by this. Shocked. Shocked. That this white, fluffy-looking dude is not a frog not a frog (laughs) and then you go off and then you meet up with gino who is a doll that is brought to life by a star piece thing entity and gino basically explains to you that when smithy came down he broke the star road which means no wishes will ever be granted ever again if the star road is broken and so he tells you your goal is you need to retrieve all seven stars so that the road can be repaired and wishes can be granted again and so that sets you off on your adventure to find all seven of the stars and the game is pretty much split up into like maybe a half dozen kind of areas from from a map screen so like it's not like your your final fantasy where you've got this huge map that you go everywhere you've got like little segments of maps it's that have three or four or five areas in each one right it's more reminiscent of a super mario world where you go to the outer map and then you you hear that music that's playing and you go to a dot on the map that tells you oh this is level instead of level one dash one like you'd seen in a classic mario game it's this is Moleville, and you go there, and it's, so it's it, it's a it reckons back to that t- classic Mario of that overworld map is not a like overworld like you see in JRPGs nowadays. It's a Mario map. And talk about the talk about the combat because that's you know that's it's an RPG, it's a turn-based combat, and it's kind of you know it's there's there's three well four things you could do I guess. So yeah, it's turn-based combat, so it's your classic, you hit attack, and then you attack, and then it goes into turn-based, so whoever's faster gets to go first, versus second, versus third, and you basically take turns dealing damage to each other. Uh, You do have, yeah, four different options, as Chris said. You either have your classic physical attack, which is where we bring up those weapons, then you have a magic attack, um, or special attack, I should say, because not everyone uses magic necessarily, they're just special attacks. Then you could use an item, or you can defend yourself and run away. Those are the four options you have. Uh, and it made it really easy to to go through those because it was displayed really well. Like, whoever's turn it was, it showed the four buttons that you could hit. A, B, X, or Y. So, like, A was attack, B was defend, Y was special, and X was a weapon. They showed all of those options kind of in a four-point compass rose around the character every time it came up. So I thought it was a really easy way to kind of digest that stuff. 
again, they, they really wanted it to be an easy game to play. And that's the thing. When you talk about the overworld, you go, it's pretty straightforward. When you go from one place, you go back to the overworld and you go to the, literally the next thing that appears on the map and mm -hmm. then you go into it. So you go from like, for example, like where Mallow is from the tadpole pond, I think it was called. Yeah. Tadpole. Tadpole pond. Sorry. You go from tadpole pond and then you go into the sewers and then from the sewers, you go into a town and a village and eventually you make it onto a ship where you meet Johnny, oh, the shark, I forgot his last name. And he is a pirate and you do kind of things. And then eventually you kind of move forward and you're getting star pieces as you go along. I think the more interesting things to come up later is there's like monster town or monstro town, monstro town, which is where you actually fight a, the extra boss, but also it's two extra bosses. Yeah. Two extra bosses. Yeah. Cause jinx as well. But the point is like, that's where you meet up with a lot of the enemies who aren't enemies. So you have like a thwomp that just lives there and you know, uh, it's just kind of a clever little area. And from there you actually go up into the clouds. So you actually climb beanstalks, which is where you don't platform from beanstalk to beanstalk. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> don't and look at the Twitch. Don't look at the Twitch. I didn't, to be fair, I didn't platform from beanstalk to beanstalk. <laughs> Beanstalk to ground. Yeah. <laughs> over and over and over again. And you actually have another, the, again, the humor of the game is great because you go up and you're in this cloud area and you see all these white fluffy people who are made of clouds who look strikingly similar to Mallow. And the uh, Valentina comes up who's like the... No, Vizier... Vizier she's, of the king. She's the, she's the Jafar. She's the Jafar of the king. And it's like, we finally found lost Prince Mallow. Isn't it wonderful? And he comes out and it's this giant fat toucan. And yeah. it's amazing because he's just a fat toucan. She's like, look, it's Prince Mallow. And all the citizens are like, huh, he's fatter than we remember. <laughs> and like, not that, you know, he's blatantly a toucan and they're all clouds. And then Mallow being Mallow pops up. He's like, huh. Funny, there's a prince here that was missing and was also named Mallow. And you're so just like, weird. oh my God. Like, it's the kind of like ridiculous humor that comes out. Like, the fact that, yeah, uh, Bowser insists you joined the Koopa Troopa, not that he joined you all. It's stuff like that that pop up. Of course, Prince Mallow is discovered. You move on and you have to go into a volcano. So, that was a kind of an interesting area because you hit two bosses kind of right in a row. You beat oh, the yeah. boss of the volcano, which was a fire dragon. And then you try to leave and you to get the star. And again, the humor is you're like, you literally start doing the animation for the star and you're like, do, 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 do. And then they steal it from you. And who steals it from you, Chris? It's the Axum Rangers, which is definitely not the Super Sentai Power Rangers. Definitely not since there was red, green, yellow, black, and, and, and pink. pink. Yes. Definitely not. Definitely not a ripoff of the, like... And yeah, right before you get it, they, they steal it from you, and you got to fight the Axum Rangers. Who which, all have axes, to be fair. Who did. Another thing that Lisa did not like when you beat Axum Pink, and she said, my makeup's running. And then Lisa just went, ugh. To be fair, Kyle and I decided that Pink isn't a girl. Pink is clearly a very effeminate man. You know, I'm going to go with the headcanon there. From now on. Yeah. Kyle voiced him as a very gay man. Can we talk about the voices? Because that was a wonderful part of your Twitch stream. You also voiced uh, Peach as Cher. Yes. What? Our, our... Oh, yeah, you missed that. I didn't 
our peach voice was well because it started with bowser we decided needed a super high pitch voice so bowser talked like this and this was bowser and you joined the koopa troopa and it's amazing and then so of course on the other end of things peach went the opposite way so peach was mario i need your help (laughs) and i immediately went peach sounds like Cher. peach believes in life after love Peach is sitting on top of a battleship cannon. Peach will never die. <laughs> so I loved the Axum Rangers just because, again, it was just like, again, that's the moments where it really shows of the very Japanese influence that pops up in the game. Like, oh, Nintendo really? A Sentai a... thing is going to be a Japanese <laughs> influence? That's my point, though. Like, Nintendo is a Japanese company, yes. But, yeah. like, Mario doesn't jump out as Japanese. Well, that's that's fair. And so having something like, you know, the Sentai Warriors come out and it's like clearly a play on that. And it just, and they had, they did their lines like they do in like animes of like, I yeah. stand for anger and misery because <laughs> they're bad guys. Like it was just, they're my favorite bosses in the game because they're so ridiculous. They're hard too. Good Lord, they're not an easy battle. So after the Axum Rangers, that is your sixth star, I want to yes. say. Yes, and so then you, as a prince, get access to the royal bus, which is a cloud, because you're a cloud, and you get to finally go to Bowser's castle, and you face Bowser's castle that is no longer his because it was taken over, and you go through the castle, and there's, a, like, at one point you had to go to four of six doors that either had puzzles or action or... Platforming. Or platforming. <sighs> And it was just like, that's where you got a lot of the final weapons for the characters was in that area, which is why I missed them. Yeah, because you could only go through four of the six doors, right? I thought four was minimum. And then it's like, nope, it's just four. That's it. So didn't know that. That was unfortunate. But yeah, but it was funny because like the puzzles were anything from like your classic, like I I pictured as Chinese checkers, which I know is not what it's actually called, where you jump the stones over. Oh, that's the one that I called the... um... The Cracker Barrel game, because they have that in Cracker Barrel with the little uh, uh, golf tees in the triangle. Yeah. And so it's that kind of game or like there was a trivia puzzle at one point, which is just hilarious. Like how well did uh, yeah, you Yeah, I didn't game? get that in my playthrough. I was watching yours. It's like I had forgotten about that one. Yeah. So that was like that was kind of really interesting. Like you could again, it gave you options to beat it. Like if you aren't good at fighting or if you're not good at the platforming, there were ways to get around that. And then you finally fight Smithy, who starts off as a giant Thor slash Hephaestus looking dude who's making all of the monsters with his giant hammer. And then he turns into a monstrosity when you beat him the first time because he's scary as heck the second time. So you're saying that's not even his final form? (laughs) Kyle is so mad at you right now. I don't get the joke. That's like a drag. I want to say Dragon Ball Z was the one who popped their eyes because it's like, it's not even my fault. This isn't even my final form. This is a Frieza thing, yeah. It is a Frieza thing. (laughs) Yeah. So after you beat him the first time, and it's great because his little minions come out and they're like, don't get too upset, your blood pressure, which is hilarious. And then you drop into his like furnace where his face is plastered everywhere, which is horrifying. That's when they talked about, he's like, I'm going to continue to make 
weapons. Yeah. And it's like, what have we been doing for this whole game? We've just been <laughs> killing things this whole game. Yeah. And then, yeah, you fight his final form. So he only has two. So in this sense, he does not follow the rule of three. He's got, he's got all the heads, which he is more than multiple, three. But yeah, multiple heads. That Yeah, the transforming heads. And then you, you, you get your final star and Gino goes back to the star road. And that's that. So that's a very long extended version of the plot of the game. <laughs> Skipping over a lot of stuff, too, to be fair. There's a lot of stuff in the middle. There's there's mini games all over the place, right? So many mini games. They had uh, the falls mini game where you're going down the falls and you try to. You had to get all the coins, and then that led into the barrel game where you're like on top of the barrels and jumping. Yeah. And then there was the rail cart game, mine car game. In Moleville, yeah. In Moleville. Stop it! Kyle called it Malevole the whole time. <laughs> he also didn't say Mario. He said Mario, and I oh, just I know. wanted to kill him. It was it was something. When you guys were doing the voices, it made me think of the neighbor, and really the neighbor's younger brother. When we played through it, he would also do voices. Did he really? He I don't did. remember that. So well, like when you guys started doing voices, I was like, this is just like when he was doing these voices. Like it's taking me back. Our voices were probably a lot dumber than his. To be fair. Oh yeah, the Melody Bay. Should talk about that middle scene. Melody De- Melody Bay is a big one. It's it's weird because it's not a traditional mini game. Yeah, no, it's it's you have to figure out the music that Toad Chosky Todovsky Todovsky wants you to play, and basically you have to talk to the other tadpoles, and they give you hints on what the songs are, and then you have to find them on an actual musical scale. Yes. By jumping on tadpoles. And I can't believe that I didn't realize this in the original game, that it was literally an actual set of staff. Like, middle C was middle C. And I think you and and producer Kyle gave me so much grief when I realized it was like, oh, that's where middle C should be. Like, Yeah, why do you get more grief than others about not knowing where middle C is, Chris? Because I am a longtime musician that knows how to read music. Who has taken many, many musical theory classes and should know that middle C is where middle C is. It's, but like the way that it's angled. (laughs) No, no excuses. As soon as, as soon as you, as soon as you saw all of those, you should have known it. But yeah, so that was kind of a fun minigame to open up items, areas. Uh, But the main purpose of most minigames was to get the frog coins, which was a special currency through the game to buy specific items. From one person. There was, well, two people maybe that you could get. So it would essentially give you a fancy mushroom. So the items were things like mushrooms restored HP. Syrup um, was FP. Syrup was FP. And then I think he had, I think those were the only ones. So like... But yeah, there were just a ton of mini games to play throughout the game, which was a lot of fun. And again, it, it helps feed those side quests of getting those frog coins to then buy those items that you need. Cause they were some of the best accessories in the game where those came from those frog coins. Well, that was a big one that you needed for Culex was the uh, the one accessory that halved your flower points. Yes. And that was the most like that was like 50 <sighs> so frog coins. It was 50 frog coins. It took us a while. I think I I ended up I got most of them and then I went to uh, the casino which yes. you find later on and then you could use the slot machine to yeah. to get 
the to get frog coins, and that's how I got the rest of the frog or coins. Blackjack was also in the casino. Yeah. Oh, I refused to gamble my frog coins. I just did straight up, just turning regular coins into coin, frog until coins. Until I was like, "What happens?" And I won one, and I got a frog coin. I'm like, "Oh, that's nice." And then I like, played again and lost. It's like you lost a frog coin. I was like, "Oh wait, what?" Oh no. Disagree. This is how gambling works. No. And that was the great thing. That's with RPGs. There's always side quests. There's always things to do on the side. Uh, just talk about Booster really quick, which is another hilarious villain in this game. Because yes. he was so weird. You fought a cake at the end of him. You don't fight Booster. The end you of his area, you cake. fight a giant animated cake. Like, And he was, you know, just so weird. And the, again, the, the humor and the moments in the game are so clever and ridiculous. Like, he tastes Princess Tears because she's crying because he's trying to force her to marry him. And what he's is like, this? why are you salty? This like, is salty. It's so ridiculous and weird and just kind of great. Booster's Tower was one of the places where I actually wrote stuff down. Because there's the one where you need to yes. uh, order, hit the, hit the pictures in order. In So as you walk in the tower, you go up and there's just a bunch of portraits. And this is one thing that I remembered, so I Booster made sure to the write first. a note. Yes, you have to, there's pictures of Booster the first, and the second, and the third, all the way up to the sixth. And that's just like things on a wall that you wouldn't think to click on. But then later on, all of those portraits are up again, and if you hit them in order, you get a key to get one of Bowser's first weapons. So that was a thing that I actually... Which is the chomp, actually. The chomp, yeah. That's a thing that I actually wrote down to make sure. Like, I wrote descriptions. We did as well. Yeah, this, is, this was a nice game where I went back and... It's it's that old school where you writing stuff down and making maps. Yeah. I wrote down all of the um, well, especially going back to the the music stuff. I was gonna say we wrote down the music. Yeah, because the the first one you talk to you talk to a tadpole and they say you know the the whatever do re mi fa so la ti do whatever order that is, and then the second one also does that. But and, the third and I think that's one. in Moldville. Yeah, the third one is in Monstro Town and. This is one that I, I kind of remembered, so I don't know how you would have known this otherwise. You just go into Monstro Town, you talk to this random star, and it just plays a song that kind of sounds like what you heard when you were making music in in the pond. And that is the third song. It doesn't give you the notes you specifically. Have you have to listen to it and Guess. go back and play that. And that's that's how you get the different, I think they were like so, juice bar cards. Yes. So what the interesting thing about it is you actually can talk to a tad, the same tadpole for the third time. And he gives you the first like four notes. And he goes. He does? Yes. Because that's how we found it. Because it was like, oh, this is like the favorite song of Monstro Town. And he's like, it's, he gives you like the first five notes. And then he's like, I don't remember the rest. And so that's your hint to go back to Monstro Town. Except we didn't. We cheated. And we were just like, okay, screw it. We had the first five notes, did those, and then just guessed our way because it'll tell you when you're right or not. And oh, yeah. so we just guessed our way for the last, like, four notes. I went through so much. On, it's, it's, I'm showing this, it, you know, this is great podcasting, but I'm going to put it up to the camera <laughs> that I'm recording. I've got, like, two or three pages of me doing notes and listening to it over and over again to try to get that correct yeah, no, melody he down. He gives you, like, the first five. Oh, my God. Like... Well, I will say, going back to the thing that you're making fun of, I always had decent relative tune, like I don't yes. have a relative pitch. I don't have a perfect pitch. My relative pitch has always been okay. No but, yawning. Sorry. Yeah, it's early for you. 
it's little things like that that they give you hints sometimes directly, sometimes yeah. indirectly. Sorry. Well, and that's how you unlock the best item in the game. Yes, item, the item in the game. Yeah, the Caracola. which Caro Caro Cola. Which, Caracola. by the way, yes, I wrote this down. In Japanese, it translates to ribbit drink. Ah, uh, because the frogs give because it to you. Because it's a frog. Yeah. Yes, that makes yeah, me so happy. And, and the, the bottle, bottle is shaped, shaped like, like a toad. That's amazing. And that's the item that heals everyone and restores all of your FP. Amazing. Which, as you said, was shared, which was really annoying. It could. You had to be smart about it. You couldn't yeah. like use it all for attacks. You had to save some for defensive measures. And... I know, and that drove me crazy watching yeah. through your playthroughs where you're just using FP blatantly, and I'm just sitting there on my couch going... Save the FP for healing. Gosh. No. Save the FP for healing. No. To be fair, we beat the game at a lower level than you, so we didn't. Well, need that's to. true, but that's just. Oh God, the oh, limited yeah. Cir- bag circle space. Circle around to that because the the bag space was was awful. That is one of my things that I kind of remembered and definitely is a ding against this game. Yeah. Where you only had uh, probably forty ish. And you never like can that. expand it ever. No. So that's why those those Caro Caro Colas were so important because you had no space for items. Like you filled up the items that you could have like within the first two or three, four hours of the game. And the worst part was you also got special items that sat in your regular bag that you couldn't use right away. Like you got the shiny stone, which let you into that special boss battle versus Culex, but it just took a slot in your bag forever. And it was same like- thing with the, yeah, same thing with the thing for Great Guys Casino. Yeah. Which is so annoying because there was another tab for special items. And they put like two things there. And it was yeah. like, no, move more things there. The, the lack of items was awful. I think that was moment. There were moments where there wasn't always good guidance. Like they tried to direct you, but there was at one point, like really near the end of the game, Kyle and I had no idea what to do once we had the six star. We were like, uh, so we went. Oh to yeah, Bowser you have to go Key, back and. But we didn't. You had to go and talk to Mallow's parents to get you the royal Correct. bus, and yeah. they just never said anything like that. And it was like, Ugh. I had that. I had the same thought where it's just like, now what? And then it's like, well, I guess I'll go talk to. As you that, said, that the, was kind of my backup. Yeah. I was like, well, we haven't talked to Mallow's parents since we beat it, so maybe that's what it is, and that triggered everything, and that was fine. But it was just that moment of like, what do I do now? Uh, but overall, I mean, we there are of course it wasn't a perfect game, but there, you know, overall there was very little that I would complain about. It's true. Uh, so. Hey, we haven't even talked about accessories. Like, yeah, the I mean, we mentioned um, there's accessories that they they're very basic classic RPG accessories. Yeah. Really, I don't think any of them were like standouts. I think the jump shoes were the one unique one in the sense that they allowed Mario to damage anyone with a jump, no matter what. Whereas some things like flying creatures, you shouldn't be able to jump on top of, but right. the jump shoes allowed you to. Like, I think that's the only like super special pin. That yeah. you wouldn't find in other games. Uh, accessories like, uh, I mean, there was the one accessory that didn't let you transform, which was great because being a scarecrow or a mushroom sucked. Right, because they had they had status effects in this game, like like RPGs. You could get poisoned, you can get put to sleep, you can get muted. But then but you could you also could get, be a scarecrow. You can get turned into a scarecrow, which was essentially a, an opposite of a mute. Like, you could only do magic you could attacks. only use specials, yeah. yeah. Or you could get turned into a mushroom. Which you just sat there and healed. Yeah. It was, so it was 
yeah. But it was, it was, the accessories were pretty basic, which is, I think, why they don't really stand out in my head all that much. Uh, well, they didn't do a very good job of explaining what the higher level ones did. This mm-hmm. was one thing that I kind of had to look up towards the end game. I didn't have to look up a ton, but there's things like, oh, the, the safety pin, which it's like, oh, you never die. It means you can't get instant killed, but it also cuts out all elemental, all elemental damage, damage yeah. which you absolutely need for fighting Culex. Right, and that was the thing. Like they don't explain that like ever. No, it's nowhere. <laughs> so there, are, there are moments. It's not a perfect game. There's a lot of great things about this game, but there were going to be little things that we picked up here or there. Yeah. Uh, so finally, bringing it back, Chris, we've we've I think extolled quite a bit on this game. You rose tinted gave it a nine and a half. You predicted an eight to eight and a half. What is your final score? Knowing everything, all of the RPGs that I've played since then, and giving it a little bit of credit, but still trying to, you know, hold it up, even if it's the, you know, one of the grandfathers of RPGs. I know it's not. There was other ones, but it's the first <laughs> one that we played. I'm going to go with an eight. Like, I'm going to not rate it poorly, but the, the thing with the items... The limited item space and the limited gold was very frustrating. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I thought it was a very good game. The music was good. We hardly touched on the music. The music was fantastic. The gameplay was good. The humor was good. What about you? You rated it a 8.5 out of 5 out of 10? I'm not going to tell you again what your predicted one is. So your rose tinted score was 8.5. What would you rate it now? I have to agree with you. I think I'd rate it a solid 8. I think... It's still, I mean, I personally still love turn-based battles, so that doesn't bother me, while some people don't like that in their RPGs anymore. Uh, it had its moments, yeah, like not being able to expand your items or your coins, and, you know, sometimes the lack of direction, like, and then sometimes the, the non-bosses that you fought got really repetitive after a while. Like, if you were in a certain area, you'd find the same three monsters over and over and over again, and that was a little frustrating at times. But overall, I mean, I love the game. I had so much fun playing it. It was just, it is just a classic, and I definitely would replay it again and again, so I, I give it an 8. Well, there you go. That matches your predicted score. Also, who is not thinking that turn-based is what RPG should be? Like, I... I've, Any I've, new RPG doesn't I know, really I'm going to sound like an old fuddy-duddy about that. Like, well, yes, the the Origami King is still turn-based, but yeah. Yes. It's like, but like turn-based is fi- its... Yeah, I don't new, mind non-turn-based RPGs, I guess, but... The new Final Fantasy VII isn't turn-based. Oh, I know. Well, I mean, that's... the Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy has barely been a turn-based game. Since about 12, Ten, I would Yeah, say. like, when it started playing 12. itself. Yeah. Anyway. So, but anyway, uh, I mean, there are... If you haven't had a chance to play it, we played it on the SNES Classic, um, which are hard to find now, but it is available there for the old-school version. Uh, it also was made available on the Wii Virtual Store and for the 3DS and for the Wii U, so it might still be available there, uh, but they never really remade it. There's no plans to remaster or do anything with it. Again, they didn't even do a direct sequel to it. They have all their other games that they'd rather focus on instead, so uh, n- no real true remake or anything is available. It was just available on the Wii Console Virtual Store for a bit. This has to come out on Switch, right? Like, There's no way they can't put this out on Switch. I have to assume. Uh, but so I think that is the, what is your final verdict, Chris? I think I kind of alluded to what my final verdict is. Yeah. What's your final verdict? Do you suggest, did you enjoy playing it again? Would you suggest other people to go back and play it again? Yes, yes. 
A hundred times, yes. Go back and play it. It's it's so much fun. If you've played any RPG ever, go back and play this game again because it is a wonderful throwback to old RPGs. It's a wonderful throwback to that kind of original Nintendo humor. What about you? Again, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to have a similar answer. 150% yes. No, no way it, it's not. Play the game. If you have played, if you haven't played, if you have played any of the more modern Mario RPGs and you've never played this one, go back and play it. Like this is, this is the reason those games exist is because this game came out and did so well. So if you love the Paper Mario, if you love those later games, go back and play this game. So now that we've told you to go play the game, if you have or haven't played the game, I think that wraps up our time with Super Mario RPG for our extra long episode, as we promised you all. Uh, lots to talk about. There's still a ton we didn't have a chance to talk about with this game, which is another reason to just go play it or check out our Twitch streams and see us play through it. We play through most of the game on stream, so definitely check it out as you're going. Otherwise, for our next episode... Our next episode, we're going to kind of go back to our Sega Genesis roots Kind of change it up genre-wise. We're going to be playing Road Rash 2, that wonderful, wonderful racer brawler game. Ah, first racer of the podcast should be really entertaining. Um, otherwise, uh, we'll see you in our next episode, which is going to come out again in two weeks from now on Tuesday. Tuesdays are when episodes drop. Outside that, you can find us at every place you can find podcasts at this point apple google spotify pandora pretty much anywhere you want to find a podcast we should be located make sure to uh subscribe give us a five-star review if you like it if you don't send host katie a personal email and leave the rest of the podcast out of it you can check us out on twitch at uh, gwgw showed so we stream all of these games ahead of time so you can kind of get a preview of what we're going to talk about. We also do a weekly coast-to-coast co-op with Katie and myself as well as producer Kyle and producer Lisa. We typically go newer-ish games, so it's it's newer games. It's a lot of shouting, swearing, all that fun anger. stuff. Lots of anger. So check us out. And then uh, pretty much we're GWGW show anywhere else social media wise on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can see some behind the scenes pictures, videos. Uh, we'll tell you when we're playing or not. Uh, just come check it out. You can see us make fools of ourselves in short clips or in long clips, depending on whatever makes you happy. So big shout out to everyone who has listened to us so far. Thanks for listening tonight. Big thanks to producer Kyle, producer Lisa. We couldn't do this show without you guys. You guys are awesome. Couldn't do this show without the listeners. So keep listening. Keep gaming. So join us for our next episode. Otherwise, say goodbye, Chris. Goodbye, Chris. Bye, everyone.